History never, ever, ever repeats itself. Yes, I know that particular gem has been kicking around for a very long time, but it is not true, nor has it ever been true. It is an imposition of a cyclical perception of time, combined with pattern bias, which is what I call the human tendency to see patterns in virtually everything. Hi, it's Ben, and this is Jazz Metaphysics. In this episode, we're going to look at various ways we perceive and relate to time. Music is a useful model to use for this because there are so many ways that time is managed in both classical and improvised forms. So, time. The study of music is in many ways a study of dimensions in time. In classical music, we have the benefit of a written roadmap in the form of the musical score. As musicians, we commonly look at time in multiple ways or frames, macro views, micro views, and everything in between. At its very best, improvised music takes the classical model of written notes and rhythms to a completely different level because the creation of the musical ideas themselves and the physical performance of those ideas must occur simultaneously. As we have discussed, this is the result of a balance between study and practice on one hand and the inspiration of the moment on the other. Time is a funny thing because we don't experience it directly. Most of our actual experience of time is generalized into little chunks of meaning determined by associated events or measured time frames. Next week, back in high school, or in my 40s are all ways in which time occurs to us, collected events with a single heading, a simplification, a shortcut, and as we've discussed before, a fiction. If we were living in Germany in the 1930s and our measured time frame was tuned to a 10-year historical window, we might have a hard time experiencing the sweet smell of flowers, the smiles and laughs of children, and other moment-by-moment miracles of life. Our attention and interpretation of reality would be based upon the historical narrative we carry about that time, rather than the full spectrum of reality that was also taking place around us. Because flowers were growing, children were playing, and love actually did happen, even then. But if we tuned our time sense to a shorter frame, where we were focused on the next few hours, we might not be all that concerned about the historical nightmare unfolding, and... If the time frame were small enough, maybe even where our next breath comes from. And absent any frame at all, we would be in a transcendent state where magic really happens. True time. Even in our personal lives, the measure of what is real to us and what we experience and believe to be true is determined by different frames of time we are tuned to, all the way from the next millisecond to geologic time where continental drift might be a concern. The purpose of this podcast is to investigate and implement practices that result in an ability to recognize and hopefully to efficiently traverse from large time chunks to small chunks to no chunks. With this kind of discipline, very similar to the jazz musician's inspired performance, we can live our lives available to the miracle of existence while balancing the planning, preparation, and strategic skills we need to succeed in this life. Why is that important? Because once we have this facility, 
the fabric of our lives becomes mutable, shapeable, and definable. Our experience is no longer carved in stone. We can shift our view efficiently and get the drama out of our lives faster so the miracle can enter. We are no longer stuck in time, and our future isn't just a rerun of the past. We will still have to address the unresolved issues in our lives, but for a totally different reason. Because as we finally resolve our issues, we are more available to being present right now so we can do the extraordinary things we are capable of. Fall in love, be creative, or play a truly great solo. Western culture doesn't reflect very deeply about the nature of time. We are stuck between a mechanical and metric view governed by clock precision and the experience we have of its passage. Most of us don't typically zoom in and out on events and reassess them in light of the many shadings of meaning that different time frames might imply. In addition, we only occasionally find fleeting moments where we are truly attuned to the moment, a ride on a roller coaster, a moment of climax, being transported by great sports, music, or drama. Peak moments. As an improvising musician, it is vital to become very good at this skill zooming our time sense in and out while having a sensitivity to the flow of the moment. This is precisely the balance we are striving for. Because if you can get that balance, you can learn new skills and creatively apply them in the moment, not just in music, but in life and in work. It's about the flow of constant creative ideas, opportunities, alignments, and relationships where we enjoy the highest forms of creativity. And in that space, the challenges of life don't necessarily lead to pain or suffering. This leads to an important point, that different states of mind live within certain time frame contexts. Gratitude and love are feelings that can live on the very cusp of the moment, while worry and fear require a backstory narrative and therefore a longer time window. So, an awareness and practice of scaling time can lead to a shift in our core awareness state, where we live our mental and experiential lives. And this is key to where suffering comes from and provides a clue to a self-generated solution. As a practical matter, musicians interpret chunks of time differently depending upon the size of the time chunk. If we need to look at the overall piece of music and examine how the different musical sections are conceived and shaped, we need to expand our time sense to include the complete piece of music. But if we want to look at harmonic relationships, say between two chords, we would need to zoom to a perspective that might take four or five chords into consideration. And there are many perspectives, larger and smaller, that are needed by the improviser. In fact, the very best players are able to keep a virtual continuum of chunk sizes in mind simultaneously in a transcendent state where preparation really does meet opportunity. At which point we become very, very lucky. The Awareness Filter we humans interpret the meaning of events based upon the content of our awareness. So if we are focused on our apparent victimhood, we tend to interpret threats to our survival and take them very seriously. We group together the memories and the input we are getting from our senses through an enormous and active filter, a core context built from our past experience and our beliefs about how life works, and we act accordingly. We all know that in different moods we respond and operate very differently. If we feel strong and secure, we tend to allow external stimuli to roll off our backs. And yet the same stimuli, upon a different mood setting, acts totally differently. 
Which then is real? If our physical responses are so dependent upon the mood of the moment, is there really an objective truth to our experience of life? Or more importantly, how can we use this mechanism to improve and optimize that experience? If we are given totally different experiences from the same set of facts, this suggests that we already possess a facility to affect our experience of reality by adjusting our mood or our contextual ecology. So what exactly creates our life context? Quite simply, our core context is made up of the things we think about most. Brain science has established that repetitive thought patterns become optimized mental pathways over time. This is one reason why children of abusive parents are said to have the tendency to repeat similar patterns with their own children, or why a concert pianist can easily reproduce profoundly complicated musical passages. Practice. From an evolutionary point of view, optimized pathways from experience helped us survive in the depths of our ancestry. Sensory cues could be interpreted quickly and efficiently to avoid being eaten by a lion, for example. Learning to drive, playing a musical instrument, or being a great basketball player are also an assemblage of optimized pathways. So they're good, not bad. But they do filter out what is considered extraneous input. I think that's because if we are too sensitive to the full spectrum of experience, we are distracted and unable to manage high levels of performance. So we actually need those filters so we can see what is vital to our performance and focus on the most important inputs. It's a balance. But there's a downside to this filtering mechanism if our purpose is to seek after the truth or the real. Because rarely does scientific reality neatly line up with what we already believe. Our filters are self-serving and self-reinforcing. People tend to remember and latch onto things that confirm our worldview and ignore and discount those that don't. It's called confirmation bias, says physicist Joseph Rahm. And we do this filtering automatically in all areas of our life the way we relate to our surroundings, and the ways we relate with each other. Consider, if our internal talk or mental chatter is mostly about injustice, powerlessness, rightness of our position, or other issues of control, our perception and filtering of events will look for patterns that substantiate this contextual position. It doesn't mean it's true, but everything in our experience that does not fit with the position is discarded or devalued. Our experience reflects this state of thinking. Even on a biological level, our sensory organs present a limited subset of what is really happening. So while there's a continuum of reality, we perceive through the very physical filters our organs are capable of sensing, a subset of what actually exists. There is a lot implied by this. The world occurs around us, and yet we are not capable of perceiving the totality of it. We can design machines and measuring devices that reveal subtleties beyond the capabilities of our physical senses, but we can never be certain that we are measuring all of them or that the ones we measure are balanced with the right weighting. We are constantly operating within a subset of reality. Our perceptions, our knowledge, our opinions, our firmly held beliefs comprise a profoundly incomplete picture and we base our life narrative off this tenuous foundation and experience the fruits of it. 
The mechanism I hope to develop is our windowing or framing of time or events so the fullness of meaning is revealed and the awareness of our experiential mechanism doesn't have the final word. We don't normally perceive or manage time as a constant flow. While there are exceptions, our minds tend to capture a chunk of time by, most strikingly, stepping back into third-person perspective and making assessments of what the meaning is within that frame. So in a very real sense, we step out of the flow of the moment in order to interpret and judge each chunk of time. This is the most common model of how we create the context for our decisions and actions. It defines the world as it appeared to us in the past, casting shadows into the present and the future. We are essentially ping-ponging back and forth between life in the flow of the moment and standing aside in judgment about what we've just perceived. Wow. I would guess that in terms of linear time, most of us spend more time judging than we do experiencing. As a jazz musician, this is the worst of all possible worlds because it is absolutely necessary to be in the flow of the moment or you lose the groove, your musical relevance, and the natural flow of ideas. How many times have I played something amazing only to step back and judge what I just did and in so doing lose my connection to the moment and the flow of the music? With all this stepping in and out of ourselves, it's little wonder many of us have a hard time getting our creative juices flowing. Creative people often complain about various blocks, writer's block, stage fright, or whatever. Yet, when we are unconcerned about assessment or judgment of our creative work, flow happens more easily. No big surprise. As discussed above, chunking does not only happen with events in the historical time domain. Even in the present moment sensory world, chunking takes place as we associate memory and a variety of sensory input into meaning and do all that in an instant. From an evolutionary point of view, this makes sense. As our senses pick up a wide array of sensory input, we chunk them together into meaning so we can make our next move. These interpretations are remembered and sometimes even passed on generation to generation, so the interpretation is available for similar situations in the future, improving the efficiency of managing complex tasks and risks. Thus, we survived. We could efficiently weight different input stimuli, interpret a conclusion and move into immediate action. Fight or flight, the law of the jungle. There are a few important points I'd like to make about this model. The first one is, just because a memory-driven interpretation is instantly available doesn't mean it was ever true. It only means that it has been useful in the past. It is a past-driven recipe an algorithmic solution to a perceived problem or situation. As discussed earlier, they call that a subroutine, where a go-to command routes us to a list of instantly implemented instructions, automatic, fast, and efficient. We do that in life, kind of like a machine. The second point is, when we are chunking time, this collapses the past, present, and even the future. Most important to our inquiry, chunking is a mechanism that disrupts the moment-to-moment -moment flow in order to assess and judge. It is outside of time. We can only look at it from the outside. Third person. So what we see is a parsed version of reality, identified and interpreted from a past-driven point of view that is superimposed over events that have not even occurred yet. 
The final point I'd like to make is that we look for situations or conditions that line up with our past experience. Since this is an integral part of the model, our confirmation or pattern bias, we try and fit our past experience into the present because that is part of the efficiency model that helped us survive. As we do this in life, the result is we don't actually live in real time. We experience an interpretation of events as described by the size of the chunk, in collusion with memories and the successful algorithmic subroutines we've learned from our past or from our culture. While useful, this style of thinking has removed from normal use our inherent faculty for moment-by-moment creativity and transcendence. It has taken us out of the flow of time and the profound power of fully standing in each unique and miraculous moment. In short, we are not fully occupying our own shoes even while we are standing in them. We all know that reality actually occurs as a continuous flow of time, a constantly changing singular moment. It is not chunked or quantized into pieces. That is a cultural construct. We are the ones who apply frames over time and make judgments about them. Reality simply is, simply flows, no judgment, Even in the jungle, no right, no wrong. While the present moment is certainly real, past or future experience are thoughts based upon interpretations of our memories and their extrapolations into an unknown future. By applying third-person judgment to everything, we severely limit our own freedom to act. Some things are truly meaningful and worthy of preserving. Others are not. Perhaps we can be more discerning about where judgments are actually needed. Do we really require an authoritative position on every subject at every instant? As an improvising musician, my biggest challenge is to step outside my judgments and opinions so I can participate with the miracle of musical ideas unfolding in the singular flow of time. I can't play a solo outside of that. I must be aligned with the flow of the moment or my idea will not be the right one at the right time. So the key is flow, supported by physical practice and developed mental pathways, but not subservient to them. Because within the field of this flow are all the ideas, all the creative possibilities, all the inspiration, all the abundance, all the love, and all of the anything and everything we could ever want and need. It is where life actually happens. Thanks for tuning in. As we move forward in this discussion, I invite you to subscribe to this podcast so you can follow along with these ideas as we enter into actions that we can implement. You can subscribe on your phone, on iOS, Android, or any other platform you like. For a selection of these options and to comment on any of these episodes, please visit jazzmetaphysics.com.